tipped in the air and knocked away. KU's got to win it. Blah, big time two-hand slam by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas is the 2023 WNIT champions. This is the Jayhawker Podcast, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Well, here we are for another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and & Veatch. I am Greg Gurley, along with Southsider retired Jersey Wayne Simeon. Wayne and I both just got back from Chicago to an instant classic we got to witness, Kansas, Kentucky. We're going to recap a little bit on the Kansas-Texas Tech football game, preview the Dillon Sunflower Showdown coming up this weekend. Uh, the booth's going to be packed. There's just a lot going on. How we doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Doing great. Coming off a big signature win, uh, big boy basketball up in Chicago. Uh, got a, we got a great track record in Chicago. So many amazing Jayhawks there with the fantastic alumni base. Uh, planes full of people coming up from Kansas City area uh, to be a part of that. Uh, it was it was awesome. Well, you know, people always ask me, especially hey, David Lawrence on the Crimson Blue Line wants to know what what's it like in the United Center? Is there more KU fans? And it's hard to tell. I, I believe there's more KU than anyone else. But when you have three blue schools, Kentucky, Duke, <laughs> and Kansas, it is kind of hard to tell as you just kind of navigate the arena. Uh, and then obviously the the green stands out for Michigan State, but I tell you what, uh, like you said, we got a great alumni base in Chicago, uh, and they showed up. Uh, people, I mean, there were planes flying in from all over the country, uh, uh, both private and commercial, to, to follow the Jayhawks, knowing that the Champions Classic is such a great event early on in the season that packs four of the best programs in all of college basketball, and and it didn't disappoint. Uh, I thought uh, the Michigan State Duke game. I was excited to to see Duke play. I thought uh, uh, you know after losing to Arizona, which I didn't get to watch because uh, it was the same time as our game a couple nights ago, and and uh, one Michigan State or Duke was going to come out of that game with two losses because Michigan State lost to James Madison at the Breslin Center as the fourth ranked team. So tells you what we already knew that college basketball parity is out there. Uh, the margin for error is very, very slim. We saw that again with those two examples. We saw that with us. True. We're playing Kentucky. True. Everybody says Kentucky's down. They got injuries. They're young. And what did they do? They came out and absolutely put it on us, moving the ball around flawlessly. That I think their young guys just didn't think. They just went out there and played. And when they were rolling, we couldn't guard them. We couldn't keep them in front of us. They passed it around the perimeter, got open shots, and made open shots. And the recipe is when you do something like that, you're down 14. Uh, I loved, you know, we say it all the time, nothing great's ever accomplished without adversity. We had adversity. We had we had one of two ways to go. And we dug down. We figured it out on a night that one of our stars didn't play great on the offensive end but made an unbelievable impact with only the third triple-double in the history of Bill Self's great talent. And never by you, which I would have thought you would have been up there, but you have The triple-double of all time, but very impressive, uh, needless to say. You never passed, so, and you weren't, and you were a good shot blocker, but I wouldn't say you were 
Jeff Withy or, or, or Greg Ostertag or whoever. But, but yeah, uh, uh, thoughts on the game. I thought it was, again, it had the ebbs and flows where we had to take a punch a couple times. And I loved our resiliency. And that's when experience kind of outweighs youth. Champions Classic is one of my favorite college basketball events of the year. And, and this is why. Um, I think we all enjoy the parody that is around the NCAA tournament, especially the first weekend. But the reality exists that when we get to the final four, no one necessarily wants to see outside their own alumni base. No one necessarily wants to see San Diego State FAU, right? They want to see the juggernauts, the heavyweights, the blue bloods. And so what this event does is it guarantees the matchups that everyone wants to see uh, in, in marquee venues and in incredible cities. So that's why I absolutely love it. And I was excited to watch the first game uh, as I was uh, the, the our game, the second game. And, it's interesting you talk about whose fan base showed up. This is the first time it felt a little awkward where um, seemingly it, it wasn't our fan base that was that was dominating the United Center. And and to me, that only felt like because we had so many Michigan State fans booing Hunter Dickinson every single time he touched the ball, which I kind of appreciated, uh, but it kind of made it feel uh, like, a, like a little bit of a different environment uh, in that in that type of setting. Uh, but but I totally get it. And uh, you know, and, and I do appreciate Hunter, uh, obviously, the, the the dominant performance that he has. But just getting to know him a little bit now early, I kind of like that he embraces the villain role. Right. Greg, would you say would you say that's accurate? Like he kind of embraces and kind of likes being the villain. He's our villain. Right. So we, we, we like him. We embrace him. We show him extra love. But I think he kind of bring him egg in the crowd on a little bit. He had some post game comments that I absolutely loved. They probably came across a little sharp, maybe a little egotistic. But listen, we're competitors in this thing, and we're trying to win every game. And and so, uh, what are your thoughts on on maybe the villainy of of Hunter Dickinson? How how, how do you like that? You're a hundred percent correct. He embraces it. He welcomes it. He loves it. Uh, you know, getting to know him over the last four or five months has been amazing. I I, I, I was one of those guys that I probably watched him last year don't really care about Michigan basketball. He didn't really do it for me. I was like, ah, I don't know. He seems like he talks a lot. He's the epitome of a guy that you hate to play against and love to hate. But when he's on your team, you love him because he backs it up. 27 points, 21 rebounds. Dominated. Dominated the game. And also played to the crowd. I mean, the first bucket of the game, I think he I think he scored the first bucket and already started yapping. Uh, I've been on the road now twice with him, and they both involve Big Ten schools at Illinois and then playing in Chicago against against Kentucky. But the Michigan State fans, like you said, were still milling around. And, and I think they truly stuck around to boo him. Like, I don't think Michigan State cared about us one way or another but they don't like Hunter Dickinson that much that they stuck around and, and lessened their time at the bars to drown their sorrows after losing to the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, well, there, there was a lot to like about that game, obviously, uh, Hunter's performance and, you know, a couple things that, that really stick out to me. I, I don't think we've had a guy in quite some time, even though we've had really, really talented bigs 
uh, as of late that we can throw the ball to every time and he's either going to get a layup attempt, get a layup and make it, or get fouled and get to the free throw line and make free throws at, at, at a high clip. And, you know, that really just adds to uh, your, your offensive variety, especially when you get on a scoring drought, especially when you're not shooting the ball well, especially when uh, a Kevin McCullough gets in foul trouble and he's out and we can leave him in. And so that's something that I think is going to continue to serve us well, uh, being able to, to throw the ball uh, to Hunter. Now, uh, at the same time, there are uh, some things that we did learn about ourselves, right? We talked about the scoring drops that we're going to go on. We talked about maybe our inability to knock down the, the three consistently. And, and we saw that. And I think we'll likely see it more uh, throughout the year. Uh, but we also saw specific lineups that we have to have on the court. We got to have KJ Adams on the court. We got to have Kevin McCullough on the court. We got to have Dewan Harris on the court, uh, especially from a rebounding standpoint. There are a couple lineups out there. Uh, that we had out there that, man, it just, we weren't athletic enough. We weren't physical enough. Uh, we couldn't get rebounds, giving up second chance points and shots. And and so I think it's helpful to learn some stuff about ourselves, lineup wise, matchup wise, as we're, we're moving down uh, the season, especially headed towards uh, Maui with, uh, with some more high level competition. Want to follow up on a couple of those points. Uh, I love the fact that, like you said, you have the ability to throw it to Hunter. And if they decide to single him, he's going to score. If you decide to double him, he's going to pass it out. Now, that second scenario is probably a lot more likely as we move into the season because, as you know, Wayne, coaches aren't going to just let Hunter Dickinson kill you in the post. It's just that's not the way basketball is played anymore. They'll adapt. They'll double, triple team. And when you have shooters that outside of Dewan Harris went one of 12 from a three-point line, one of 12, then why wouldn't you triple team Hunter Dickinson and make Kevin McCullough beat you and make Nick Timberlake make a shot? And that didn't happen the other night. You brought up the fact that we got exposed on things that I think we knew we were going to get exposed on, or at least that was a question mark. And it showed in a big way. Uh, I thought uh, I was disappointed in Nick Timberlake. I was disappointed in Johnny Furphy, El Marco. You look at all three of those guys, a lot of straight line drives they gave up. Obviously missed shots. Um, and the bright lights is what you and I have talked about a lot with Nick, El Marco, and Johnny. How are they going to react? Some people will say, uh, you know, they're freshmen or you're from Towson. It's your first time in, a, in an arena like that. Okay, I'll give you that. But guess who else had their first time in a big arena? Reed Shepard. Dillingham, they didn't seem to have a problem. This isn't a narrative on doom and gloom. It's just facts. You look at the stats, a couple of freshmen did good. Ours didn't. Hey, it's a learning experience. You know, we got we to gotta look at it on both sides of it and think about it. I think we look at it as a positive. We win against a really good team, and Dewan, Hunter, and Kevin carried us. No question about it. Think about as El Marco gets more comfortable, as Johnny Furphy gets more comfortable, as Nick Timberlake stops thinking and plays like Dillingham or plays like Shepard and just plays and shoots when he's open and not. And, and that's part of the battle when you're young and inexperienced. And, and it showed up 
with our veterans and it showed up with our young guys. Yeah, it certainly did. And, and of course, you mentioned uh, the big three there with uh, the big performances, uh, the dominant performances that all three of them had. Uh, cannot overlook or undervalue K.J. Adams when you think about his athleticism and aggression, uh, you know, for a significant part of that second half. Man, our nose was bloodied uh, merely because of the length and athleticism uh, that Kentucky just threw at us. And uh, K.J. But, fought but fire with fire. He fought fire with you know, fire, man. He, he, he almost single-handedly matched their energy and their athleticism. And, and even down the thing that got us in the game, and of course you have to score points in order to close a 14-point uh, margin gap. But where that happened is it was on the defensive end. Defense, rebounding, uh, getting the ball out in transition, space, guys attacking the basket. And so a lot of that was initiated uh, just by the energy and the ferocity of uh of K uh, kj adams um you know and, and it was sad that 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 fourth foul usually i'm not on the officials man that fourth foul uh from my vantage point from the replay vantage point from all the alumni that were texting me they were watching it on tv was an absolute phantom call um but I, but i i shudder thinking even in the dominant performances that we saw from juan and hunter and triple double where we would have been without without kj adams energy and uh and aggression I watched the tape of the whole game last night and I and I watched that play that you're talking about, KJ's fourth foul. And I texted Billis because he goes, Well, he threw his chest into him. It's like, no, he didn't. I go, is that the hill you're gonna die on, Jay? That's terrible. I mean, it just I I, I can't uh, uh that that call and, and obviously Bill Self was irate just going nuts over and, and and it was such a big call because it was followed up by KJ's fifth foul, which was clearly a foul, but that fourth foul was so bad. And Ron Groover got an earful from Bill while the game was going on, and then there was a timeout right after it. Yeah, and it was hey, KT it was, was after him too there. After Bill had to, yeah. to to get to the huddle with the guys, KT was letting him have it. So I, I appreciated that as well. And and usually officials don't allow themselves to get that type of earful unless they know they're wrong. Yeah, and, and and usually if they think they're right and they get an earful, they might tee him up. But like you said, he didn't tee him up. Because I guarantee you Bill said something to deserve a technical. Ron Groover, great official. This isn't a this isn't uh, on him. It, it just made a mistake. Hey, you can say the same thing about our guys missing shots. Everybody makes mistakes. I get it. But that was one where you're told to just go vertical. It's exactly what KJ did. He handled it well. Uh, uh, you brought up something earlier about how uh, their length bothered us, which is a, you're exactly right. And it's a little scary because they didn't have all their length. And they had some injuries and some guys that weren't playing. This Kentucky team is going to be really, really good come February, January, February. When they get healthy, because I really like Dillingham. I really like Wagner. And he was awful. I mean, Wagner is projected as a top five pick in the NBA next year. He went, uh, I pulled this up. Wagner was one of 12. One of 12. This is a guy, top five pick, according to all the people. And then the other thing was Reeves for them. I didn't realize it. Our, we had a horrible stat monitor. I can't remember. Uh, Wayne, you do television. We had a stat monitor that we just couldn't read. I mean, you know how bad my eyesight is. I mean, it was 
It was about that big, and me and, and, and Brian both. Side, and you guys weren't courtside, so you couldn't see the video board very well. I was wondering about where, so, how, how you were handling that. They put us up there, and so we're trying to – we're just looking at it on our phones. And at the end of the night, I'm like, I thought Reeves was better than that. He was three of 17 from the three-point line. I mean, it was some crazy numbers. One of 12 for Wagner, three of 12, three of 17 for Reeves from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, we look at some of the other numbers – Kevin, who had a forgettable night, three of 11 from the field, but that triple-double kind of snuck up on all of us. I was watching the game, and I, I didn't – I mean, I just didn't put it together. They had 10 assists, so uh, – but Hunter Dickinson was great. But but we've talked about KJ. We've talked about Hunt. We've talked about Kevin. But the best player in the game was DeWan Harris, without a doubt. We don't come close to winning without him. Uh, you and I talked a lot about how – he needs to shoot just so there's the threat of him shooting, whether he makes it or not, but he was making it. He was five or six beyond the arc. The one he missed was the late shot clock attempt, which was kind of unfair. He just had to chuck it up there. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially he was five of five and that's Dewan Harris. I mean, that's, that's our, our best three point shooter so far. Um, and the game turned under four minutes. We're down six. Back-to-back threes, then he makes two free throws. Right there, gave us all the momentum. We outscored, I think, Kentucky 11-1 to in the final three minutes, and that's Dewan Harris. Uh, there's He dominates games when he doesn't score, and he dominates games when he gets a career high. I mean, the perfect point guard for Bill Self, the perfect point guard for Hunter Dickinson, and I don't think we talk about him enough. And if he isn't on the Bob Cousy list when they – start to whittle it down. Remember last year that he wasn't on there, then they put him on there, then they took him off, and you're like, to the voters that vote on that, what are you looking at? He's a national champion. He does everything right. He's the best point guard defender in the country. He passes first, second, and third, but then when he needs to score, he scores. What more do you want? I'm asking. Tell me, please. Yeah, it's probably it's probably points. That's probably what people are, are, are want more from that spot. But when you think of assist to turnover ratio, uh, he's elite. When you think of um, you know obviously being a, a floor general and and commanding, uh, you know the presence and the pace of the game, uh, he, he's second to none in that type of category. And so I, I think a, a real basketball eyes can, can be able to see and to and to witness that. And you know it's. He, he is the security blanket. I mean, it, it's incredible when you're down double digits, when you fight off some runs, you're down nine late, and you don't panic. It's because you know that DeWan Harris is on the court. And, you know, I, I feel that. Like, I'm not panicking. You can look down at the bench. I know, I know Coach feels like he's in a great place, and you can kind of see he has a calming effect even on the other guys around him, uh, which I think is invaluable uh, and irreplaceable. Um, and what's the statement we always hear? When a coach has a player who's like a coach on the floor, Bill probably has two. Because I would look at Kevin McCullough and Dewan as basketball IQ-wise, yeah. it's very, very high. And having the ability to just trust your guys, Kevin, Dewan, I think I put Hunter in that category, even though it's early on in his maturation with Bill. But having that, how many times do we talk about the national championship in 2022? You've heard this saying all the time. It's hard to get old 
and it's hard to stay old. And that's how we won a national title. CB, Jalen, Ochai, David McCormick, Remy Martin comes in here. Old, 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 old. We got a similar makeup. Now, if you can intertwine the youngins into that mix, it's super, very dangerous. Uh, everyone's going to ever watching this and be like, all right, yeah, Greg, we get it, dum-dum. You're the preseason number one. I get it. Yeah, you should be. But there's going to be some bumps in the road. We're going to lose some games like Kentucky where we don't shoot it well or we don't defend. Like, it's going to happen. This isn't a super team. This is the preseason number one team because of why. We got Hunter Dickinson. All the other pieces now are better, and somebody has to be one. So let's just embrace it. Yeah, it's true. And I want to give Kevin McCullough a little more credit than what um, he's getting for that for that win that we had. You know, triple-double, extremely impressive, uh, difficult shooting night. But you mentioned earlier about the terrible nights offensively that Wagner and Reeves had. That is in large part to what Kevin McCullough did. And he's going to have that assignment. He's going to have to guard the other team's best wing player, maybe two like they had in this situation, for the duration of the game. And, you know, that does have some bearing and impact on uh, your offensive um, output uh, to a degree. And we're glad that Juan could actually step up and fill that during that time. I think KJ's output offensively uh, helped uh, to be able to do that. But, you know, that's, that's one thing that can't go overlooked for a guy like Kevin McCullough, because we got guys on our team that can't do that. Even when you're not scoring, can you impact the game in enough ways to make winning plays? Kevin McCullough is that kind of guy. You know, we've got a couple guys, you know, on the roster right now that, you know, known as shooters, man, we're waiting, man. If Nick Timberlake isn't knocking down the three, man, he's got to be thinking, what other ways can you contribute to the game? What other ways can you impact and make the other team feel you? And if that's not the case, we got to get someone in there. So, um, you know, we talked yeah. about you know, uh, the inability of, of or at least in that game, from, from some of our other guys. Hey, let's talk about Jamari McDowell, all right? Freshman coming in, winning time, all right? You want to talk about when the lights are the brightest, all right? We're down, you know, um, you know, one of our top, you know, uh, defenders fouls out, and you get plugged in in a, in a big boy environment the last four minutes and do a great job. Um, I mean, uh, you know, not from a scoring output wise, but man, he was he was dependable. He didn't he didn't turn the ball over. Great closeout, great blockouts, ball mover. There was one where he got tossed the ball a little bit uh, late shot clock, and that was probably Juan's fault uh, a little bit on that. Uh, knowing your personal, no, I, I thought he was. I, I know exactly great. the player, the player talking about. Yes, I even said it. I go, Jamari's got to shoot that ball. Yeah, but in Jamari's defense. At that point of the day, it was probably 11 o'clock at night. You've been sitting around all day. You haven't seen the floor, and he puts you in, and now we're belly aching about Jamar not, Jamari not shooting the three from the corner, which is a great learning experience. He's in a big boy game. He didn't take the shot. Okay, fine. Next time he will. And then, But I just love the resolve that he had. He gets the rebound. He, he's strong. He protects it. He gets fouled. We're up three. He's got to make one. What does he do? He makes two. And and those yeah, things like that, those things like that will go so far in his maturation. And you and I have seen him so much in practice. And you and I both have been like, God, you know, kind of like it's almost like we're it's almost like we're hesitant to say we like somebody, you know, because the world hasn't said that Jamari McDowell, you know, he should be a redshirt or whatever. We're like, you and I both are like, hey God, you know, I kind of like 
Damari McDowell. Like, is that is that bad that I'm thinking this? No, it's accurate because we know Ball. We watch him. He makes winning plays, and and Bill and his staff are going to have to over the next couple of weeks decide who is that guy in that eighth spot, you know, and 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 that's only going to help the other guys. And you know, I was pretty hard on El Marco, Nick, and Johnny. It's not hard on them. It's just facts. They know they didn't play that well, but I, I think uh, it's one of those things that those are learning moments. And now, you know, let's put the let's put a cherry on top of the Kentucky game. That was great. We're three and zero. We made up a game on the all time win list. We're now only four behind in the in the new math after after the uh, uh, IARP deal. So now we go on. We, tomorrow we fly to Hawaii. Play on Monday uh, against Chaminade, which you know I think it's safe to say we should beat Chaminade and go four zero. But then it really starts, and you know we got Marquette and a UCLA, the winner of that game, and Marquette was preseason number one in the all too early polls. Right after the Final Four, they had a guy go to the NBA they didn't expect, maybe a transfer, so it kind of flipped. But hey, Shaka Smart's got a squad. And that's taken nothing away from Mick Cronin and the athletes and the success that UCLA has had. Because one of those two, we're going to play one of those two on Tuesday. And that's going to be a big boy matchup. There's going to be a top 10 team in Maui lose in the first round. Yeah. That's going to happen. Uh, it's the greatest field they've ever had. It's going to be a blast. And uh, we got to be ready to go. Yeah, yeah, we really do. And, and that Marquette team. Uh, mind you, took down Illinois, uh, top 25 team who we lost to, obviously, in that preseason matchup in Champaign. Uh, and so they're really tough. I'm eyeballing that as, as a preference. Again, you don't want to overlook anyone. And, and UCLA is certainly a formidable opponent uh, for um, uh, Shaka Smart and, uh, and Marquette, uh, the Golden Eagles there. But I'm really eyeballing that matchup because they have, um, you know, a player, I think it's Tyler Collick who is a point guard who's basically kind of dubbed, you know, one of the top guards in the country. And so it would be great to what see. Kansas him. Player does he, what Kansas player does he remind you of from Boshi? Jeff Boshi? No. No, he said oh. he's a point guard, he's a shooter. Okay. Think who, again, who, who do who you, you and I sometimes have a text chain with that is, he seems to be very angry with me. Oh, Rex Walters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my roommate in college, uh, Rex and Wayne and I have a text chain and sometimes some uh, insults or constructive criticism are thrown at my expense on being a horrible player and and uh, Rex being awesome, which he was. Uh, but he, this Tyler Kolick reminds me of Rex. He's left-handed and he just kind of plays this same way, just a, a quick, yeah, really good yeah, handle. Too, yeah real strong. I, like I'm excited to watch him. I, I don't want to see him succeed, but I am excited to watch him. But uh, as Kansas fans, as you watch uh, Kolek, he, he, he can really play. And that's uh, going to be the matchup. Like you mentioned before, Dub on, on Kevin McCullough, or, you know, look at some of the other guys. They, they've got some length. They got some big guards. So somebody's going to match up on a guy that keeps his dribble alive and can really shoot it, can really drive it. He's a, he's a, he can do it all. So, that's the matchup I'm really into. And then as, as you go ahead and you follow 
the bracket and allow it to play out. Of course, everyone is, is hoping, all of the college basketball world is hoping for the big fella matchup, uh, Zach Eady and, uh, and Hunter Dickinson uh, for, for a big rematch. So I think that'd be, that'd be great to see. Yeah, because the other side of the bracket, like you mentioned, it's Gonzaga, it's Syracuse, it's Tennessee, and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, a Purdue, yeah, the team we were just talking about. <laughs> so you think about it, it's the uh, uh, best field ever. Uh, it's obviously going to be in Honolulu, which will be a little different than the friendly confines of the Lahaina Civic Center. Uh, the, the Stan Sheriff Arena is ten, seats like 10,000. I actually played there in 1992 against North Carolina, or excuse me, against Michigan. Michigan Fab Five had just beat North Carolina. We played them in the championship game of the Rainbow Classic and, and got beat uh, and got to watch the Fab Five up close and personal from the bench as I was doing one of these. I don't. Even, I have to look at the box score to see if Coach Williams was smart enough to put me in. Uh, but I would say if I didn't play, that's why we lost, right? It's a fat five, man. That's a, that's the Hall of Fame group right there. It would have been tough for anybody, including you and, and me for that matter. But those are some good times. So big win against Kentucky. Massive opportunity coming up. And then no rest for the weary. We get home uh, Friday the 24th. Got a game the following Tuesday. And then the following Friday, seven days after we get back from Hawaii, the defending national champions come to Allen Fieldhouse. Then the next Saturday, the Missouri Tigers. So you look at this, Kentucky, the Maui Classic, a week later, UConn, a week after that, Missouri, a week after that, at Indiana. This strength of schedule is nuts. We're going to get tested often. We're going to see how resilient we are. We're going to see some of these young kids grow up right in front of our eyes, whether they want to or not. Couldn't be a better schedule to get you prepared for the gauntlet of the new Big 12. Uh, then we got a couple of games right around Christmas. Uh, I believe it's Yale. And then the uh, game of Wichita State. Yeah. And then hey, it's going to be 2024 before we know it. And then you got your Texases and your Baylors and your K States. I mean, it's it's uh, it's going to be a great year, and I'm looking forward to the to the next week, the next two weeks, the next two months, whatever. So, great time to be a Kansas basketball fan. Great time to be a Kansas football fan. You're listening to the Jacker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System in Black and Beach. But uh, I, I tell you what, this weekend, I know you're going to be there. Unfortunately, I won't. I will be on the beach. I will send pics. I will be, I will promise I'll have my shirt on when I do send those pics because I don't want to, you know, gross you out or anything on Saturday. But we're going to get a big group of KU people, KU Jayhawks that are there. We're going to have a big watch party in Honolulu. And uh, I just can't wait. Uh, uh, frustrating last weekend. Texas Tech was a game that I think everybody had us get into that eighth victory. Didn't work out. We struggled in the red zone, got down to the inside the five twice, didn't get a touchdown in the first half. Second time had to settle for a field goal to tie it up and then absolutely deflated when they were able to run three plays and get that game-winning field goal. So uh, it's it's gut check time. 
Uh, we got injuries. Timing's not great. Uh, all signs point to what we read yesterday. All we can go off of is what we read yesterday from from uh, Coach Leipold and, and, and Coach K that, that Jason Bean was an active participant in practice. That's what we we got across our finger on. But how about how about Ballard? How good was Ballard? Yeah, coming in, not expecting to play. I mean, Jason Bean's been the guy, but I tell you what, he was pretty good, and we got to have some faith in him because of what he showed us against Tech. But I think all Jayhawk faithful are hoping that Jason Bean can go. Yeah, what incredible opportunity to uh, to play the last game in David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium as we know it uh, against the in-state rivals in the Dillon Sunflower Showdown. Um, you know, hopefully there's a little bit more of an edge about us, a chip on our shoulder after letting that one get away uh, last weekend against uh, Texas Tech. And it was, it was interesting that 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 loss stung a little bit more. Uh, and lingered a little bit more for me because it never felt like we were out of it. And it always felt yeah. like we were just one or two plays away and like, Oh, we got this. Uh, and the next thing you know, it just, it just slipped through our fingers. Uh, you know, much is being made of the injury, uh, by, by, uh, for Jason Bean and as it should be. Um, but I also think that Luke Grimm not being in that game, uh, was really, really, um, you know, detrimental to the Hawks. I, I, I forget. I don't remember if it was if it was uh, OJ Burrow or Melo Dotson. We have a guy in our secondary uh, go down, um, and you can't help but think about how elite our secondary had been all year. And then 24 seconds left. You know, two long passes and a gas run, and boom! Next thing you know, they're in field goal position, and Tech kicks it uh, to win. And so it's going to be important to get those guys back uh, as well. Um, but you know, rivalry games, man, they are they're unique. Uh, anything can happen in those. And, and, and honestly, I think you would agree with me with this, Greg. This is probably the most confident that we've gone in against K-State in, in quite some time. Um, you know, whether Bean is available or Ballard or whoever the QB won, I actually think we have enough weapons and a good enough offensive coordinator that even if Ballard does have to take significant snaps on Saturday, we have enough weapons and, and people around him uh, to, to make him comfortable and to uh, and to build him up um, and to grow him up uh, kind of as the, as the game goes along. And so uh, really, really looking forward to that. Glad I'm going to be there. I'll be hey, I'm going to be there locked in. Uh, I think I'm going to stay on the sideline the whole the, the whole game. No, no seats, no sweet visits, no nothing. I got my game face on. We're going to have a bunch of former players back senior day. Like this is such a memorable moment. Uh, and I'm excited to be there on Saturday and hope, hope hopefully our listeners will, will come out and support as well. Yeah, and you know, onto some of the the way the season has been made up. You know, uh, K State had that bad loss at Oklahoma State uh, a, a month or so ago, and since then they've been on a on a roll. Even though they lost to Texas on a kind of a an interesting end to that game, but the, you look at the two schedules and look at the teams we played compared to the teams they've played. They've they've put up some gaudy numbers, but and this, you know, I don't feel sorry for ourselves, but. The schedule we played in the new unbalanced schedule, you can't play everybody, right? Uh, we've timing-wise, you know, we didn't play Texas Tech when they were struggling. We played them when they were much better. We didn't play Oklahoma State when they lost right after they lost to South Alabama. Uh, we played them, you know, later on when they were starting to roll with Ali, and, and, and so uh, all that doesn't really matter. No one really cares about the past. All we got to do is concentrate on a rivalry game 
the last game in the booth. I mean, I look back to the, you know, it's not the last game in Allen Fieldhouse, but it's the last time we played Missouri in Allen Fieldhouse in 2012, how big of a deal that was. And, and that's, this is a, we, we've got uh, everything going for us, uh, coaching staff, fan support, everything. This is a perfect way to say goodbye to, to David Booth Memorial Stadium. You and I drive around there all the time. You know, it's, there's things, there's so much stuff going on around there. I drove in yesterday and there was 50 guys working around the stadium, getting ready for the demolition in less than a month. I mean, it's, it's happening. And, and I mean, I don't think people understand that the gravity of what we're doing. I mean, you look at that West side of that North side, that's going to be on the ground by January 1st. And uh, uh, you and I are having to talk to our people that own suites and say, Hey, you know, you got to get your pictures out of there. Your silverware, your, your half drunk bottles of, of Jay Rigger wave the wheat vodka, uh, or it's going to be rubble. So, hey, hey, and uh, why, why is the, uh, the urinal troughs in the men's, in the men's restroom, that's kind of like a, a highly coveted nostalgic piece of memorabilia right there, man. Kiss, kiss the, those things. Kiss those things. Goodbye. Well, I would think a guy like you that has what, 12, 13 children. Why don't you see if why don't you see if you could get the the urinal trough from the concourse and put it in that basement of yours? That could be a great I think it'd be a cool hey, hey, it's funny relic to have. It's funny because one of my boys was at the game uh with me uh last weekend and, and and he ran off to the bathroom himself and it took a little bit longer uh than, than what it should have. And he came back and said, like, Hey son, where were you at? He's like, Dad, I didn't want to pee in that sink, that big sink that they have in there. So I was waiting for the uh for the for the traditional stall and and me and the and the group of folks around us just got a big old belly laugh around that so I uh, I, I I don't think they've signed off on that version of uh, of, of of bathroom decor and so uh, that 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 won't quite make it to the Simeon household but I thought I thought it was hilarious that he thought it was a big sink I mean Dad why are people peeing in the big sink in there <laughs> you say well son you didn't wash your hands in there did you. <laughs> But big time atmosphere, obviously going to be packed. Uh, another sellout. We talk, you know, you and I have had so many of our players on as guests, and they talk about coaching staff and the players talk about how big of a deal it is to run out there and have that support from the students, from the fan base. It gives them that extra room. So uh, six o'clock, Fox Sports One, the country's going to be watching, and, and uh, it's time. You know, we can look at the, the all-time record and granted we have a we still have a, a very large lead in the all-time series but a lot of social media is you know a lot of the case staters have put out that oh most of that was done before 1950 or whatever and what i'd like to say to them is you know our, our, we're talking about football which we still have a lead in and basketball is the largest differential in all of sports in any matchup ever it's over a hundred more wins. They'd have to they'd have to sweep us for fifty years uh, to get back to five hundred in basketball. So I ask you, Wildcat Nation, what? How do we? How do you explain that? But anyway, that's I'm sure there's a lot of them tuning into this. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it is it is crazy. They have not Kansas State basketball has not swept Kansas. Do you know this, Wayne? In forty years. 40, 1982-83. I looked that up today. I like that. Before I was born. Numbers don't lie, man. What if, if those big-time numbers out there? Good. Now, 
I throw all those numbers out there. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a thing. It's something for you and I to talk to our K-State buddies about, and that's it. It's going to be decided on the field, and that's the way it should be. It's the way our guys want it. This the way their guys want it. It's going to be a great atmosphere, and it's great for college football. It's great for both universities, and uh, I really wish I could be there, and I know you feel sorry for me on where I'm going to be, but uh, uh, still, great atmosphere, and we got to get this win. I mean, that, again, yeah, last yeah. week was was – Frustrating. It was yeah, just it was one of those things. What's that? Yeah, no, was, uh, thanks for laying your life down, falling on the sword, uh having to uh to go yeah. behind Lulu, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Martyr. I'm a I'm a martyr. <laughs> uh, but but last week, I think I think last week tells everyone that we're now we expect more. Like in years past, losing to Texas Tech at home like that, we would have been like, eh. No, it's a terrible way to look at it, but that's been the way we've been trained on how we've been over the last 12, 15 years. And that one really stung on Saturday, and that's a good thing. It should hurt. It should be like, man, we, you know, I don't think we would have said that in 2015 or whatever. Right? But but I do like that. I don't like that we lost. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it should sting. It should hurt. And I think it hurts in those kids and that coaching staff. They're pissed. They should be. And hopefully they they play with a little red ass this weekend and and uh, uh, in the Dylan Sunflower Showdown and and come out and use the adrenaline, use the energy that is brought to them by our, our great setting that is David Booth Memorial Stadium and, and show them that hey, as we move forward, the Big Twelve it's no longer a race to the middle. We have no reason to believe that we can't be the top in basketball, football, everything in this new conference. No reason not to. Yeah, I really like what you said there about uh, the expectations being higher. We're expecting more. We're expecting to win to win games like that. That's certainly the case in the locker room, outside the locker room uh, with the fan base. And uh, it also helps to communicate that, hey, we still got a lot of work to do. You know, uh, a lot of the uh, excitement and the energy and the fanfare and the ranking and the new stadium and all of those things are great. Uh, but we still have a lot of work to do. You know, we're not exempt from uh, having a slow start and being able to think we can work our way back. You know, we're not exempt between, you know, having some key injuries and, and not having uh, the next man up mentality with guys ready to step up and to make plays. Uh, we're not exempt from thinking every time we get in the red zone, it's going to lead to points uh, because, you know, we, we, we fell short uh, several times there on Saturday. So hopefully with that expectation that you're talking about, there's also a continued hunger uh, to continue to work, to continue to build, to continue to recruit, to continue to develop uh, the young talent that we have uh, so we can keep this thing going. And certainly, certainly, I don't know if this isn't the case uh, you know, for Lance or any of those guys, certainly settle uh, just merely for winning six or seven games and just making a bowl. We want to continue uh, to compete uh, for, for the highest prize uh, here in the Big 12 and then also nationally. Well, you said it best there. You can deal with some injuries. There's gonna, It's football. You're going to have some injuries. Jason Bean is the epitome of that. And then we go, Jason Bean gets hurt. We're going to third string. And that tells you how Lance Leipold and his staff have built this program. It used to be our first team was you know pretty good. During some of those bad years, our first team was pretty good. But we'd get into those fourth quarters 
And, you know, whether we got tired, whether we had injuries or whatever, we just couldn't stay with the big boys. Now we've got full complement of scholarship players. We got a second team. We got a third team. We got guys that can fill in when there's injuries and whatever. So that's how you build a program. So looking forward to that. Uh, see some other things. Uh, volleyball went and got a split at Iowa State, a really, really tough place to play. And they were so close to getting the sweep. They were close to being swept. They were close to sweeping. But they got a split, a couple of five-setters. And uh, uh, that last uh, uh, fifth set of the second match, I mean, it, I think it got all the way into, I think, 1919 or something like that. I was watching it, and and uh, uh, I, it was great to get the win because those are just debilitating, as you know, as a as a volleyball dad, that third or fifth set, depending on your level, on if you if you lose that 120-119, it's just a gut punch because you're right there. So shout out to Ray Bouchard getting that split against Iowa State. Then a midweek uh, game the other night and got a straight set victory uh, against Baylor, I believe, on uh, uh, on uh, last night, wasn't it? Was it last night? Yeah, yeah Wednesday yeah. night. So and another sellout, another sellout in Horse Arena. Yeah, so uh, right there for second place. I don't think we can get – I know we can't get to first, but uh, uh, he's doing it once again. So uh, shout-out to Ray Bouchard. Um, let's see. I think that about does it. Maui Invitational coming up. First things first, the Dylan Sunflower Showdown. This Saturday, 6 o'clock, and even if you don't have a ticket, just hang out on the hill – be a part of it, be involved, show these seniors support. We got a lot of guys that this is their last game and I'm seeing on Twitter, you know, so the, the, the sad face emojis and it means a lot. They, these guys are part of the rebuild. You know, if you're a senior here, you are part of some really, really bad teams. And now to have that success, it's got to feel good for the Kenny Logans and the guys like that, that they were able to take us to the next level. And then the freshmen, they're, you know, they're going to look at those guys and just be excited about the process, right? Yeah, certainly so. And, uh, you know, you really got to uh, tip your hat to those guys uh, that stayed uh, because with the transfer portal yep. wide open, you got a, a brand new coach who uh, you don't have a relationship with. Maybe you don't have a, a ton of time to build trust with because there is no spring ball season when Lance and his staff got here. Uh, and those guys trusted him, trusted the process, loved this place uh, enough to make sure they wanted to, to finish their career out. So uh, a big tip of the hat uh, to those seniors that were here for the duration. And 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 I, I kind of smile on the inside thinking about when those guys come back here maybe six years yeah. from now and they get a chance not only to see uh, a brand new shiny stadium, uh, but they get a chance to continue to see the, the you know, the program. Uh, which they helped lay the foundation for, uh, continue uh, to be successful in one of the most competitive football conferences in all of college basketball. That's going to feel really good. Um, and a, a lot of that has to do with uh, the, the commitment and the hard work they put in uh, and helping get that get that established. So, uh, yeah, those, and those guys. And I'm glad you said all that because in this era of, of basically if things don't go right, what do you do? You quit. And I say quit. You transfer. I don't like the coach. I don't like the new coach. I don't like my position coach. I, he's not playing me enough, whatever. My boys are telling me I'm better than this. And in a day and age of the ability to do that, like when you and I were playing, like things like that happened, but like, eh, I, I sit out a year. 
now it's just like, all right, yeah, it's like dropping a class. I got a, I got a, a D. I'm just gonna drop it. Yeah, I know a little bit about that. I, I've dropped some classes in my my day. Yeah, so we all. But in this day and age, for those guys, that, I mean, think about the guys that could have left the Jason Beans, the Kenny Logans, and go to a SEC school, and, and you know, but they're like, nope, I want to be part of the process. You just said it. How excited you are that six years from now, when when Kenny or Jason or whoever comes back, we got a brand new shiny stadium. The team's on an uptick because of them. They're laying the foundation and uh, the brotherhood. When Chris Harris and Akeem Talib and Todd Reesing come back, when our guys see how they're treated, they're like, all right, I kind of want to be treated like that. It looks cool, you know? So uh, looking forward to those days. More looking forward to this Saturday. Big boy, appreciate you. This was fun. Uh, no guests. It's just me and you getting through it. Recap some previews, baby. Let's go. A lot of good stuff to talk about. We don't need guests, do we? We'll get some. We'll get some out there. I know. I'm just messing with this. So, Jagger Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and Black and Beach. Take ownership of your career, your future, and your success. Learn more. Learn more at bv.com/careers. Craig Gurley, Wayne Simeon, Rock Chalk, Pack the Booth, Dylan Sunflower Showdown. See you all next week.